The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Hope you're looking after yourselves, staying well and doing whatever you need to do for you. Today is part two of my chat with Sarah Miele. We touch on a couple of things that we discussed last week, success and um, how we navigate our way through this unsettled, crazy wonderful industry of ours and we also talk about the support and um, friendship and how important your peers are and we talk about how great it is when young people discover um, live theatre as well as men as as men as well as many many other things and I'm sure that you will enjoy this week's episode with Sarah as much as I did. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us a wee email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. And you can follow Louise and I. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both of Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. I think for today's episode, oh, maybe, do you know, maybe a cocktail if you've got the ingredients in the house for one, or I think it's just because the sun's out, I'm feeling something very passion fruity would be nice, uh, maybe a little sparkling elderflower water, Um, obviously you can have a fabulous cup of coffee if you so choose but as always you can always just have a good old cup of tea sit back relax and enjoy so this is really interesting because I was thinking about it and we've done a couple of two-parters before but we've never done a two-parter with a break of a few days and then come back to it yeah usually it's been like a mammoth like well no that's not true actually with a Rosie Priest and Emma Jane Park that was like one Monday night and then the following Monday night but with like Nelly that was epic. And, uh, we, uh, no, yeah that was right. seriously epic <laughs> those two just are like oh uh, yeah be still my awesome. beating heart yes <laughs> absolutely um but yeah with but like with Nelly and with uh, some other people they've been just really long episodes where I'm like yeah I'm not going to, I mean, I could happily put out a three-hour episode, but um, I want people to really experience it, so split it up. Does it feel weird coming back on? Like, it does have you listened weird. To, did you listen to last week? I have listened to some of it because my partner was listening to it. And actually, there were, it was really funny because there was points where I was like, oh, I, I just made quite a good point. And I was like, but I would never listen to that myself. Like, I'm hearing myself saying good stuff. And I'm like, yeah, if only I actually took that in. Oh. <laughs> Which is the classic, isn't it? Isn't it so true though? I mean, yeah. I do that all the time. I think I give out really great advice, but I never yeah. take on board my own advice. Why yeah. is that? Is that I want to know as somebody that you know studies the brain and personality, is that like a is, is that a human trait? I don't it must be. It's the same thing with like celebrating yourself. Like we were talking about, like you're really good at celebrating other people and being like, yes, and totally being like their hype up person, but then for yourself you're like no no not for me it's just so weird I don't know why your brain does that I know it's really strange. I do think the whole playing yourself down though and I've mentioned this before and if you I do think it is a Scottish thing as well though do you think I do I really think there's something ingrained in us culturally that <clears throat> you know you can't get too big for your boots mm. and you can't forget where you've come from yeah. And just, you know, that kind of, we admire people doing really well, but we want them to stay grounded. Yeah. Yeah, it's something really, 
yeah it's really interesting I definitely think it is a Scottish thing maybe it's yeah. not just a Scottish thing but it does it's like it's certainly something that I know like you know in America like that kind of idea of like getting big and famous and no you just really successful mm-hmm. is absolutely celebrated and it doesn't and if they have left behind their previous life of whatever that is nobody ever is like oh they they've totally forgotten their roots and where they come from it's like they they got through that quote unquote or they escaped that whereas I think here it's like we get really touchy if you well certainly maybe it's just me because like I don't know (laughs) yeah no I I, you're totally right and I don't know whether it's like uh, I don't know if it's a gendered thing as well I think it can be not always definitely not always but I feel like sometimes I feel like men are better at like just saying oh yeah big like not bigging themselves up but just saying they can do stuff or like you know someone asking you to do this even if they can't just, but yeah I can do that or I'm good at this or you know I don't know I just I find that really hard like Callum is quite good at, not in a big-headed way but he's quite good at being like yeah I'm really good at this whereas I'm I'm really bad at saying I'm good at something I'm like I, I I can do that kind of and he's like no you're good at it and I'm like no I can't say that like that's that's just a step too far and I don't know why even when it's just smaller things but that is interesting about the sort of staying humble thing. It's like you feel like you're going to be told off if you, if you do, if you know try and big yourself up or something, isn't it? It's weird. I don't know where that comes from. That is, do you know? And now that you've said about a gender thing, so now I'm thinking about my examples of why I'm saying that, mm-hmm. and like <clears throat> the kind of obvious ones that I'm thinking of are like Scottish women. So yeah. you know, people always talk about Lulu. And there are, you know, Lulu, I'm sure you're lovely. I have never met you and (laughs) I am not in any, but, you know, people have that thing of like, oh, you know, she's from the working class background in Glasgow and she forgot where she came from and she thinks she's this, that and the next thing. And then it was the other one that I can think of that's quite obvious just now. I mean, I don't even know if people will even remember her, but Sheena Easton, who was a singer who actually worked with Prince for fuck's sake and um yeah but was from Bells Hill Uh and won like some talent competition in the 80s and then the Americans loved her like loved her so she moved to America and then she came back to Scotland for something and she got a slight bit of an accent going on and just a bit more of a kind of different demeanor and people turned on her really and it's so interesting because it's then that thing of like yeah are men allowed to do that because nobody said that about Sean Connery no are all the sort of even now I'm thinking of all the sort of modern famous male Scottish actors of which there are quite a few there are plenty uh, and people don't say that about them. So Sean Connery they... didn't really care about him anymore. Like, no offence, but, you know, wife beat her. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sean, you've been crossed off the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm thinking about that as well. Like I, and also, there's just more... Is this related? I feel like I can think of more famous male Scottish actors than I can famous female Scottish actors. Is that a I... thing or am I just... No, it's definitely a thing, because I have thought this so often. And <clears throat> I feel like I had a conversation in another episode with someone about this about the lack mm. of what why is it that it is the men because the, I'm telling you right now Scottish women are incredibly talented yes mm-hmm. Holy... and there's an abundance of them as well oh my of god all ages of all ages the the talent of Scottish women as you say of all ages is astounding and most of them, most people never have heard of, might never even have seen. And it's criminal that mm-hmm. it's always the men that are held up. It's fascinating, isn't it? And mm-hmm. it's not to say they don't necessarily deserve it, but it's just interesting. Why is there a lot, substantially a lot more of them than there is women and I don't believe it's because the women aren't good enough if anyone says that I'd be like "Mm, I don't think so and also the Scottish accent thing I feel like people prefer it on men to women like in terms of acting do you know what I mean like there's so many I can think there are so many examples of male Scottish actors who do shows tv things theater things where they have their own accent and I feel like that's I hardly ever hear female Scottish actors with their own accent on that scale do you know what I mean like and even like there's programs where 
you know, I can think of one. I'm not going to name anything because all these actors that get these parts are great. But like where there's a Scottish male actor and whose wife in a TV series, they're English, even though it's set in Scotland. And you're like, that's interesting. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's really common. And I don't know. There's just so many amazing female Scottish actors that I'm like, we need to get mm. them out there. There has been a thing a thing of that over the last couple of years and um about so male famous male scots actors being in tv tv shows and then their wives being played by someone who's from maybe england or wales but they're also they're doing a scottish accent and Mm. there's been a bit of a well well, what you couldn't find someone in scotland that Mm. and that was I'm sure you'll remember this, Sarah, because there was a whole Twitter thing, like, um, was it last year or the year before? And it was about, I'm sure it's, I'm sure Jemima Levick had actually put up, the brilliant Jemima Levick of, uh, uh, who's artistic director at Play a Pine a Pint in Glasgow, um, had put out something to do with the fact that there are, there are so many talented Scottish women, why are they not getting seen for these parts mm. in TV and film? And there was loads of it, like chat back and forth and um, lots of lovely uh, actors were like saying, this is absolutely true. This needs rectified and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember uh, Greg McHugh (laughs) tweeting that he'd been approached by, I think it was like a radio station to come on and have a chat about the lack of women, Scottish women Mm -hmm. being in roles. And he was like, why are you asking (laughs) me? I'm a man. Why are you not speaking to the hundreds of Scottish actresses that could give you a far better understanding of what the issue is that's so funny you couldn't write that could you like right (laughs) ridiculous yeah it's yeah it's also because there's so many things I wanted to touch on from our uh, chat last week about success and I Mm. think that was something that I would really like to kind of further discuss with you yeah the idea of where we hold success and where that comes from, especially in our industry, which is one of what is your what what's what's your work? What does your work say about you? And how many times have you worked in the last six years or such mm. and such? And I just really I'd love to know what you think about that. Yeah, I it's that dreaded question as well that everyone always like talks about of oh what are you what are you up to now what are you doing just now and like it could be such a harmless question but I think with all of what's behind it it's just so loaded isn't it and I want to find a way to like frame that as a better question just like asking another human that you've not seen in a while who happens to be an actor just like how are you right now like what's happening in your life in general like don't worry about the acting stuff but it's so hard not to not to frame it like that and I don't know if it kind of maybe starts a little bit at drama school. It's what we were saying last night. People don't sort of talk about the other stuff. Yeah. And I remember I was in like, I was doing this panel talk thing at RCS for, I think it was like the PG Cert course. And they had like people on the panel that were like from the acting industry, the music industry, like, uh, you know, dancing, all the different sort of arts. And there were students um, who were all, all the students are like teachers in the arts and stuff. And there was someone... Uh, who was asking like oh but you know we were talking about the lack of um the conversation around what else happens in the industry when you're not working and how to prepare students for that and he was saying you know but people come to this drama school or college or for example we were at rcs to be like the top whatever percent in the industry and like that's what they come to do so that's what we should train them for and that's what it should all be about and i was trying to argue like yeah that's totally valid but like they're not that's not necessarily what's going to happen for everybody and yes you want to train them for that but part of that training is preparing them for that not happening or for how to sustain yourself until that happens or in between jobs or to frame that there's other ideas of success but people sort of really rejected that because they were like no but people come here to be the best of the best and that should be what the focus is and that's it and I was like but it doesn't make sense (laughs) listen to me like I'm someone on the other side of this and I've had I guess what you could call success in some degrees but like it is the conversation around that of like yeah I think it's just being more honest I don't know how we solve it but every single actor you speak to knows what that feeling is like and 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 struggles with the idea of success and struggles with not working in between jobs so there must be a better way for us to be open about it and talk about it and and frame it you know I think that's so, I think that's really 
close to exactly what it is. I think it does start at that sense of wherever you train and then that kind of idea of competitiveness, which I do feel <clears throat> has kind of moved slightly. Like I've never maybe, and you know, I say that and then I go, and then I check myself as I was about to say, maybe that's why I'm not as successful. And then remind myself that Elaine, you know, um, yeah. I've never been that competitive in that sense of if I really want a job absolutely but I'm then not going to tell another actor that I know who's great about this audition if they haven't heard about it yeah because I find that I find that I have always found that really uncomfortable about our industry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that sense of lack of sharing because mm -hmm. I think for me I'm a bit like we're all trying to make great work and surely like we all want to be each other's cheerleaders because it's hard enough yeah. without us all going in on each other. Totally and I think I had that recently with some of my uh, two of my pals who are actors who were so lovely to me like I was having a really honest conversation with them and I got really upset and I didn't realize I was going to get upset talking about it but I was like look I'm really struggling this last year's been really hard like my self-confidence is like rock bottom and like I know I'm not the only one but I was sort of going look I I've hardly had any additions in a whole year. I don't know what's happening. What am I doing wrong? Should I give up this or that? And they were just wonderful. And they were like, right, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. You need to do this, this and this, check in with this person. And then you're going to speak to us next week about this. And if we hear of anything, we'll let you know about this. And like, they just suddenly got to like their action stations, but also were just so kind and encouraging. They're like, don't forget that you've done this and you're brilliant and all this. And I was like, oh, people, like other actors, like we can be so lovely to each other. And I think we need more of that. But I don't know if it's just about being honest and people are getting better at being honest when they are struggling when things are hard and not just posting like you know your highlight reels and you're all excited to announce and stuff which everyone's guilty of because when you get stuff you're obviously really excited and you want to shout about it and share it but there's not enough I guess shouting about all the stuff in between to normalize it and to allow all of us to help each other and you know build that community and I also think when you were saying about uh you're struggling to like you know say when you've been successful or whatever I think it also comes from sometimes certain backgrounds and this idea of like if you're not used to being a freelancer or the arts industry um it's this idea of like money comes into it too like I know that my partner bless gets this quite a lot from his family being like okay so what's your next job but what are you doing next how are you going to get money and it comes from a survival instinct not from a bad place and I, I mean the only person I think that's I've really got it from my, my parents bless them have been very supportive my granny bless whenever I would talk to her she'd be like what are you doing and is that paid and I'd be like y yes yes granny it's, it's oh my god my granny's the same <laughs> she's the exact same I'll be like saying I'm doing something and she's like are you getting paid for that Elaine and I'm like yeah. yes she's like well that's good it's so funny isn't it so I think it comes partly from that as well of like having to always be working and earning and are you doing okay and are you surviving and what's next and have you got a plan and a long-term plan and this or that where that's the thing with our industry you can't it's not really like a long-term sort of planning industry you have to sort of go day by day week by week month by month and I think that doesn't help that uncertainty do you know what I mean yeah actually I think that's also another thing that we maybe need to look at when we talk about success as well is that and when you're kind of preparing to come into this industry and how you think it's going to go um because we've all got an idea of how we think it's going to go or how we hope it's going to go that actually because it is so a changeable and varied and there isn't any sort of stability in it really um you know unless you're super lucky and you get an outlander or a marvel show where you're signed up for seven seasons when you first get the job not that they're necessarily going to go for seven seasons but you've got that sense of like oh well I can do that mm -hmm. yeah. um but it's I wonder if that's also got that thing of like why then the success thing is like really how we look at that because we're not used to actually we're not honest as you as you've said about what mm. it actually is to be an actor yeah there was someone that told me and I don't remember who this was that at their college and I don't remember the college they were one of the things they had to do was like a presentation before they left of how they were going to survive in between jobs what their plan was for in between work what they were thinking of doing like you know what jobs they would go for blah blah, blah like part-time work and everything um and I just thought that was fascinating and everyone had to do it you had to do this presentation of like ideas you had of what you were going to do 
in between stuff how you're going to survive basically and I was like that's a genius idea that's brilliant it totally normalizes it but also gets people thinking about it discussing it like I just thought that was great like it's 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 a reality check but not in a harsh way it's just like we're all gonna have to experience this sometime so let's talk about this great like yeah that's brilliant I know I don't know I need to find who told me that if anyone's listening who told me this story or has experienced that in college get in touch with us <laughs> yes please. Let us know. yeah yeah, yeah. I think as well what you were saying about that idea as well of um, the question that we ask each other and I know I'm guilty of doing it oh what are you up to or what have you been up to and you know I've probably done it even on the podcast it's just well because we are a intersectional feminist arts podcast so you know (laughs) kind of comes with the territory but also it's the most dreaded question I think as well it really is do you know I had that one year of my life when I was doing the cursed child in London where I was like I almost want people to ask me because I was like for a whole year I have an answer and literally no one ever asked me also because people knew what I was doing but you know when you bump into people or there's strangers that ask you oh so what do you do and I really wanted to like bump into like loads of strangers and just have them ask me what do you do and I could be like I'm an actor and I'm in the West End like just for that one year like just to enjoy that but it literally never happened never happened so but <laughs> region that moment that you're like what why I'm ready I'm ready for this question I'm here that's the moment that you want to get in a taxi and the taxi driver says so so what do you do and you're like oh I'm an actor oh you would have seen you in anything exactly it's so ridiculous isn't it Um, it's that tiktok video that I absolutely love which is like um I'm an accountant oh yeah it's just everybody going as an actor performer dancer you know it's just I'm going to find some of these and put it in the show notes so that people know what I'm talking about um I'm sure most people do um yeah so that I mean it is really I just think we need to find a a new way to phrase it as you said and I think it's getting comfortable as well like I find this really hard saying that you are an actor when you're not working like because it's like what you say when you say you're an actor people go oh what are you doing what have I seen you in whereas it's just getting comfortable like in between jobs you're still an actor you can still say that's what you do and that's your job that's absolutely valid I think it's getting used to that like normalizing that as well because I've always found that the hardest like when I'm not working to be like oh can I say I'm an actor is that really valid like do you know but it is it totally is of course it is it totally is um it's it's so important because it is who you are it's like I do think when you're in the arts, like whatever part of it, that whether you are an actor or a musician or a singer or an artist, that there is something kind of intrinsically like linked in all of our body. Once again, Elaine's doing movement here and talk, I'm talking <laughs> with myself in the third person, that forgetting that nobody can see me because it's a podcast. You'd think after three and a half years, I'd remember. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, just like, it's because it's so in us, I think, in a way that the only other people that I can really think of that I know about that is somebody who, because I'm thinking about my mum, who is a nurse. And even when she isn't at her work, she is a nurse. She cares. She Mm. uh, is caring. She wants to make sure that everybody is all right and well and happy. And so, you know, like that is absolutely in her soul, who she is. And I really... I think that is the thing when you're an artist, it's really in us. So, but we're scared again because as soon as we say that, mm. and somebody says, Oh, what have you done? Mm-hmm. Or what would I have seen you in? Or what are you doing now? And if you don't have something to hand, then it makes you doubt yourself, I think, and your yeah. own ability. Yeah. It's like you want to reframe the question, like, Oh, what? what do you love most about your job? Like, what do you enjoy? Like something positive where you can talk about the things that you love about it. And I think there's two things that came to my mind there when you were talking about, I can't remember the second one, but hopefully I will by the time I've said the first one. (laughs) (laughs) My brain. Um, Like one is not thinking about this career as linear because it is not linear. It does not go on a trajectory of you go up and up and up. That's just not a thing for anybody really. It's about thinking of it, it's so ridiculous, but as a journey, do you know what I mean? It will not be linear. You will have ups and downs and that's fine. Thank you, Lord. 
What was that? The J Ward Chardonnay. Ward. I just dropped it. I just dropped it. <laughs> Boom. Um, but it's true. It's not linear. And the second thing is the idea of like cr- being creative is what makes us happy, isn't it? As artists and actors. So it's remembering, I think, to do to do creative things just for yourself. Just for yourself. It doesn't matter if they don't get seen or nothing happens with them. But find just so you still find the joy in it. I think those two things can be quite helpful. You know. That's lovely, Sarah. I really love that. No, good. I I wasn't sure that was going to come out, but it seemed to come out okay. (laughs) Well, I think think that's really important to remind ourselves to do. So, you know, do those little creative things that, yeah, nobody needs to see it, but it gives us joy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, that's so, that's so important. And things that probably get lost in amongst, you know, trying to survive and pay our bills and feed ourselves and all of that. And then, you know, that's when I think, the mental health aspect of the career can then really start to feel like it's pulling you down when you're not getting to be creative in some way or form so actually I think that's so important to for all of us certainly for me to remind myself to do that what's your favorite asking for help as well that's totally valid Mm -hmm. always ask for help from friends family peers whoever that is from professionals do not be afraid to ask for help on any in any form on any level like whether that's asking for advice on a monologue or whether that's just being like i'm having a hard time how would you deal with this like totally just talk to people that's been the best thing is through my career anyways other people helping me or answering questions i'm doing a lot of hand action here right in this for anyone who can't see i'm waving my hands at elaine with passion um <laughs> yeah always ask for help and speak to other people because i wouldn't have got what i was without so many people helping me along the way i think that's a, again really beautiful and really important because we tend not to again i think it comes from that idea of this industry being really competitive and mm. you know they're not just your peers, they're your competition, et cetera, et cetera. When actually somebody else can give you something so valuable that you might not even have thought about and just gets you through whatever you're going through. And that is such a Mm. wonderful thing that needs to be encouraged and celebrated that actually being given that advice or just even listening to someone and going, listen, this is what I did. I don't know if it'll work for you. Yeah. Because it's so funny, we would do it with anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. for example, most of our listeners will know, and I know that you know, I've got endometriosis. So I've seen, you know, I shared a lot on social media about it. Um, and because I want to m- make as many people aware of it as possible. And even just the other week, somebody had put up, they had been going through a load of different things Um pain levels such and such and they were now like having to fight to get an appointment with their GP so I just said this is an unsolicited message I hope that you don't mind but this is what I did this is what you you should try and do fight to get seen by don't take no for an answer you will need to try because it can take years for diagnosis they'll misdiagnose with various different things but from what you're saying I totally think that you might have endometriosis Mm-hmm. so here's everything and I just shared it oh, yeah with this person and they then came back to me and were like Elaine I've done some research and I do think it might be this but they're not taking me seriously and I was like well don't go into your GP with da 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 anyway now they've gone to their GP and fought the way I said and now they're getting seen at a again clinic so yeah Yay. Yay! But is that thing of like, right? So we do that on it if it's a medical thing, or we would do that if you'd do that if somebody was getting you windows for their house, you'd be like, oh, listen, we went to such and such, or we didn't go to there and we wouldn't do that and we went to this, but obviously you do what you need to do. So yeah. why don't so why don't we do it more for our industry when we're all struggling? totally but I feel like persistent and nasty totally does some of that work like you know does that advocacy and does that like support and community and and a place for people to ask questions but I think you're right we need we need more of that or we or I don't know a radical idea we need to fund persistent and nasty just just put that out there to the universe uh there you go. <laughs> yes please thank you uh <laughs> Uh, I didn't pay her to say that (laughs) (laughs) um you said just when we were talking about 
reframing the question of what's the favorite part of your job what's the favorite part of your job ah it's a lovely question actually it's already making me smile um the favorite part of my job is oh i think it's the people and i think it's what we talked about last time which is definitely rehearsals being in a room with like a group of other people that want to be creative and you're all in the same sort of wavelength together but also like meeting people like a lot of my work recently has been sort of um community arts based and i think it's just lovely meeting people and seeing art like bring people together and share stories like i just think there's something so beautiful about it and so sort of like human about it that i just i just love whether i'm telling the stories whether i'm listening to the stories um yeah i just love how it can bring people together that's so cheesy i know that's so cheesy but it is lovely and i think especially after the last couple of years in the pandemic i think it's just become more heightened this idea of bringing people together hasn't it yeah absolutely it's not cheesy it's, not. <laughs> it's a little bit but I'm totally okay with that <laughs> but that's okay but it's all but it's also true though because it is yeah. that's what it does yeah do you like I think because we obviously we chatted last week about the fact that you did your your um your short film mm. and when you're BAFTA for thanks for mentioning it again Elena. <laughs> all right. I haven't paid her to do that either <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. which is and you'd said at the time about not having a huge amount of experience of film um, mm. and it mainly being theatre. What's your, because um, I'm always fascinated with, about how we as actors, especially those of us who have trained um, and have more of a theatrical background mm-hmm. or like maybe doing some film and stuff like that. I'm always interested in what we find the differences between the two and what we like about yeah. each rather than that question of oh, what do you prefer which I always find is a weird question when people say to you what do yeah. you prefer would you prefer film or theatre I mean for me my instinct's always theatre because it's so instant your reaction yeah. with the audience and you can feel that and the rehearsals but then to actually create something that that's then going to last in that sense mm. so I think yeah. they're anyway uh is there anything that you love about the differences of it? That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think similar to you, I love theatre because it is so instant and because, yeah, you sort of see the impact of it straight away, whereas I guess with filming, like you're sort of away in that bubble of filming before something happens. But then I think with filming, it can be fun because it's a sort of even more intense experience like you're on it like full time like with theatre once the show's up and running you sort of feel sometimes like empty during the days I don't know if that is a feeling whereas like film you can just totally like immerse yourself in it I guess um they're both so different but I think they're both enjoyable for different reasons I think with film as well the thing I don't like is that you have to watch yourself we don't have to but watching yourself back with theatre you just like you don't have to worry about that because you never have to really watch yourself back in theatre which is great um but I think everyone's different in the film as well I guess you get more like if you do something wrong you can correct it but I also feel like that's a bit of a myth because I feel like any experience I've had of screen stuff which isn't loads it's always really high pressured so it's never like oh I didn't do that I'll just try that again like you don't really get a say in that yes you have a few goes at it but like it's not really up to you do you know what I mean I love that myth of like oh if you get it wrong you can just do it again you're like or they choose the take that you hate that's also a thing that happens (laughs) (laughs) you know um but yeah no I don't know I I love them both for different reasons but I think I've had more experience with theatre so then I feel like like you are leaning towards it more yeah um but yeah, who knows? So interesting because I do love film and always have. And actually that was my gateway into the arts was film. Was it? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I used to watch um, the Saturday matinees on BBC Two with my granny when I was a kid. So like all my kind of, I was that weird child that loved black and white movies. Absolutely adored That's them. That's not weird. That's lovely. Well, when I was when I was growing up, it was a bit weird. Like nobody else was watching, um, you know, Sunset Boulevard at ten, uh, <laughs> wanting to be Norman Desmond. Um, <laughs> uh, but, 
but also you know like it's so funny because film for me I think because I'm dyslexic as well and the visual of it is really I love it but then I do remember Mm -hmm. my first like play that I saw and being like oh my god like just like that hit of sitting in the audience and being oh this is incredible and Mm -hmm. yeah just that that shared experience in that moment I think that's what it is that I love is that it never gets repeated yes it is like a little bit of magic isn't it that you just get to share for that one moment and then because every audience is different every night is different yeah and you know it just that we all know there's those nights when it just clicks like it's so amazing when the audience is absolutely with you like completely and um, everybody is firing on all cylinders and it's just like that total like it's like electricity bursting out of a building oh my god I (laughs) I miss it too I miss it so much I also though I do kind of love when things go wrong sometimes like it's just wonderful because like there's nothing else like it when it's all live and I think that's something why it's so exciting that's part of why it's so exciting is because technically anything could happen like you know and sometimes it does things go wild (laughs) but audiences quite enjoy that as well because it feels like everyone's in on it like together you know exactly and that again it's that thing of like they're getting that experience that no other audience is going to get yeah and I, I just think that's what makes theatre so special. Yes. And I think that's what maybe needs celebrated more about theatre as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that... Yeah. I think just now as well, especially, you know, after the pandemic and um, lack of funding, because we always know that the arts gets hit first when that happens, that mm. I kind of look at it and I kind of fear of where is theatre headed because obviously so many streaming services now creating so much content yeah yeah I know I do worry about that as well especially like because we've done a lot of shows recently for young audiences and it's what we were saying a bit last week about um how important it is the theatre experience for for children and young people and their access to the arts like we took a Christmas show, um, just Christmas has been around schools with the Tron Theatre that we made called Mary. Um, and like we would go into like a school and schools hadn't really had a lot into them like the year before, like nothing really because of COVID. And we had this wee window where we could go into schools with shows and uh, we did it's like individual like classes um, and they only all had their headphones on it. And it was this show all about festive spirit, sort of like quite open. It wasn't just about Christmas. It was all fest- festive um, times and events. And we had little tiny moments of magic in it. And obviously the headphones were quite an experience for the kids. And like, see, once you started, a lot of them would just be like excited that people were in their school. But some of them would be like, what's going on? Like, what is this? Like putting on the headphones and like wild. And then there was just this moment when like the first bit of magic would happen and they'd all just like go mental and like the joy in their faces and like all together, the whole class just erupting and having the best time ever. And I was like, ah, this is so special and magic. Like that's like on a very small scale, that is what like theatre does, isn't it? Like it just creates something so magic that they wouldn't get from like sitting watching a film together, maybe in the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, film TV can be great as well for young people and a great learning resource. And as teenagers, especially film and TV, I think, can have a massive impact. Um, but, like, when you're that age, like, there's just something so wonderful about, like, the liveness and the exciting and the magic and you experiencing it all together. Like, it's just, they're already so excite- excitable, aren't they? And, like, just bringing that in, oh, I just loved it so much. Like, yeah, just seeing their wee faces, just like, how did that happen? And just leaving like buzzing and like, oh, it's so cute. I wanted to give you like hugs and be like, can you come to my house and do that again? And like, it's so cute. That is like one of the, again, I think it was what we talked about this snobbery. I think that there is like when you go and do, um, if you go and facilitate workshops or you go into mm. schools and you do different projects, there is a yeah. bit of a snobbery in our there industry is. about that. There totally is. And it really needs to stop mm. because children are the best audiences that you will ever have because you will the know best. if something works. Because if it's not working, they will switch off really damn quickly and not care. Yeah, they are um, yeah, the toughest audiences for sure. And and yeah, they're 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 tough, but also they're 
the best audiences, I think, as yeah. well. And I think some of the best work I've seen has been for young audiences and for family audiences because it's just so like thought through and intricate and like, you know, it has to work that bit harder and well, it has to work harder, but also I feel like it has, if you get the audience on your side and their imagination when they're younger, like it's just magic. It's just magic. Absolutely. It's just, it's all totally. Yeah. And it's what then that might spark for them. Like, you know, that you saying about them saying, oh, can you come home with me and all of that? And like, cause they do love it. Little kids really love that. I know I've gone in and done workshops in, in schools and played a character and they call me the character and they're like, yeah. oh, can you be my best friend and things like that? And it's just like so adorable. And like there was one school I was in, I was playing a character called Molly and she's meant to be like this little girl that goes on adventures. And um, this is a while ago and, because this little girl came up to me and just took my hand and said, thank you for making my day. I was sad this morning. I'm not sad anymore. Right? That's so, oh, I just love that. I love that. And it's the empathy, isn't it, that that it helps children grow? Because in our show, we had the character, like, no one comes to their birthday party in this show. I've actually done two shows where I played characters and no one comes to their birthday party. I don't know if I'm internalising something there. (laughs) But anyway... Um, that we had there was a, a kid that came up afterwards and was like I'm sorry no one came to your party but I'll always come to your party and you're just like oh like kids are just like he is and we gave out these little um envelopes which were basically little envelopes of confetti but we called them envelopes of festive spirit that they had to go and share with someone who needed it the most there's definitely links here between happiness collectors we loved we love a little bit of a keepsake and i shared it on and uh someone came up and was like it's can i have two because it's it's my brother's like birthday and i want to be able to share some festive spirit at his party so it's okay if i take two home or or like there was another kid that was like I'm definitely going to give this to my uncle. He needs festive spirit. And I was like, oh, he sounds a bit, is he a bit of a grumpy uncle, perhaps? And <laughs> just go and throw some confetti on him. Like, I'd love to be there when you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like there's just, they just take so much from it, don't they? And like you say, you have no idea the sort of longer impacts that might have mm. on them. Because it's so true. Because I remember um, training and, in fact, it was Leah McCray when we were training together and, uh, Leah had talked about she remembers so vividly uh, a school's tour coming into her school and like doing this show and she was just like this is amazing I want to do this and then like going to see Panto and like being like totally blown away by the Panto and just being like I want to be on stage and that thing that she maybe saw at five or six then is solidified for her yeah yeah that's beautiful isn't it oh yeah and I think we can be like that too adults can be big kids at the theater as well sometimes like I totally oh I go for it at panto I boo I cheer I'm like (laughs) I'm like yeah give me it I'm like I love it I I still want I don't I'm always wanting the sweetie thrown at me because I don't think in all the years of going to panto that I've ever actually been thrown a sweet so you know (laughs) but if you're talking about competitiveness in the industry, there's nothing like a sweetie throwing a panel to bring out their competitiveness. <laughs> I know, I know, it's so true. Um, I also wanted to touch on some of the other stuff that we talked about last week and like appearance and looking your age and how that can and can't go for you. But also all the other stuff that that brings, I think, in our industry. And I think in particular being a female. Yeah. 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 So I'm just nodding like yes, this this is true. It's true, Elaine. Yeah. yeah. Um because obviously like you mentioned last week, like you do look younger than you are. Mm-hmm. Um and probably in some ways that has probably worked for you. But I'm I'm really interested to know, like, do you feel in some ways the parts that you're getting aren't what match your life experience? Or being offered or addition for or that's really interesting mm, may, maybe maybe sometimes <laughs> if I'm honest I'm thinking right now that a lot of my career has been playing younger people or ill people uh, and I am like well I was quite a poorly child like so maybe that does reflect my, my life experience just being ill and, and young I don't know uh, what does that say about me um, I don't know that's so interesting I think I'm finding it more 
now I feel like I'm struggling to know where I fit and when I'm even though I am like an adult now that I'm getting more adult parts I'm like oh am I like adult enough to play that or like you know I've sort of taped a lot for like police officers or like policey kind of roles and in my head I'm like well you know I could easily have had a career now in the police by my age absolutely but then I look at me and I'm like oh do I just like not look like I would like am I too wee am I too like you know too small do I look too much like a baby I'd knock on someone's door and they'd be like have you lost your mum and I'd be like no I'm here to speak to you (laughs) I don't know so I don't know that's really interesting I feel like the parts I've played so far haven't necessarily been my life experience but haven't felt too far off it whereas now I feel like I'm in a weird place where like I don't know whether yeah I don't know what my casting is anymore and I don't know where I like sort of fit because my real age doesn't maybe match how I look now like what, what I was saying last like last time about when you put me next to a teenager like I'm not a teenager anymore but then yeah, yeah I feel like I'm not adult enough to play the adults and not young enough to play the young people so I'm like yeah. I don't know where do I go where do I belong yeah I think um and obviously like I, you know people will be like oh you're an actor you don't need your life experience to do it no you don't yeah. But there is something really important, I think, about having experienced something akin to something like Mm. that will bring a different level to it. You know, like there's this whole debate just now um, about whether um, non-trans actors should play trans parts Mm -hmm. because some people are arguing, well, we're actors, so it shouldn't matter. I come from the point of view that they have a lived experience that if you're not trans you don't have and that brings Mm -hmm. something else to that character and that performance that someone who hasn't who isn't trans doesn't have yeah and I don't know why that does really bug me as well when people say oh but you're an actor like you can play anything and it's really hard to like rationalize the argument against that and why I it annoys me so much and I think it's also partly to do and something we've maybe not touched on, but I feel like our conversations are definitely related to this idea of like privilege as well mm-hmm. in the industry and like yeah. and privilege just in society with 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 people from different backgrounds and experiences and all sorts of things. I just think you're there's something that feels really icky about saying that and not acknowledging people's lived experience and not acknowledging that also that the industry is skewed. And if we're going to bring up other people's voices and stories, like surely it's the whole nothing about us without us, like phrase, I think was, was that maybe from various disability rights campaigns and stuff? Mm. Like, I just, I just think that's a really valid point. Why, if you have the option of an actor who is trans, for example, or has lived experience and is right for the role and a great actor, literally, why would you not? Why would you not? Like, and why would you not prioritize that at least first before you go and say, well, we couldn't find anyone who was whatever. Why not try that? And also ask yourself, why can't you find anyone with that lived experience? More importantly, surely that's the important question we should be asking. Do you know what I mean? There's something wrong if you can't find that in the industry, if there's not enough of those people in the industry, like, you know, I don't know just, just no that's no I think that's absolutely it it's like yeah, why are you not finding those people first of all and then I yeah. think as well for me and it's certainly something that I kind of look at and I think I people are saying these things but I'm also like yeah but we are at a point in change as we should be because this should have happened long ago that for example a, a gay man should be allowed to play a gay man on film because that act in years gone by, a gay actor would have had to have hidden who they were or mm. not had the chance, as you say, like that platform to be able to actually yeah. be in that mix for that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about allowing that and allowing these people to step forward because it's then only when we do that that we then have equality and then we can all honestly mm-hmm. go, well, once everybody is ha- is there at the table and we're all having a fair go at everything. Yeah, 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 I, I really, yeah, you're so right. You're so right and it does really bug me. I think I, I had, it's the only time I've ever slid into someone's DMs to be opinion, opinionative, opinion, opinionated. Um, just made up a new word there. And Love it was it. to do with like, I won't name the film because I don't want to get into the whole like controversy of this famous film that I think actually tanked in the end, deservedly so. But someone was like, oh, you know, it does. You, an actor who 
it was, it was an actor playing someone with a disability, a non-verbal disability. And I was like, uh, that feels icky. And there was loads of other reasons it was icky. And this person was just like, but an actor like can play anything. That's the whole point. And was like really hardcore defending it. And I was like, I have to reply, even though I know this is a bad idea to slide into someone's DMs and have a social media war. But I was like, I have to say something. And it is just this thing of... <laughs> For me, it does come back to privilege because if you're not recognizing that you as a person who is not from that community or marginalized group and you are very much like blasting your opinion, you need to take a step back and think about that. Like there is something inherently wrong with that. And if you can't listen to the other people, then you are becoming part of the problem. Even if your opinion is valid, even if you have things you want to say and maybe there is a discussion there, you sort of invalidate it when you just go, no, actors are actors, they can play anything, it doesn't matter, I'm not going to listen to these voices do you know what I mean like and, I, and I'm really aware of that too as someone who I know does have a lot of privilege in this industry and I have to check myself sometimes and remind myself that of, of that and and be aware of what other people are experiencing and just to listen just to listen to people as well and I think that's what it comes comes down to just listen to each other if someone is telling you that they're finding this difficult or this is a problem or this doesn't feel right to them listen to them it's quite simple yeah. <laughs> it really is it really is quite simple um and it's yeah just listen to them yeah I, I also really appreciate you saying you know you check your privilege because that in itself is something that more of us need to do because it's so easy for us to kind of just go oh yeah 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 I mean I know I do it but I che- I I do try really hard to check myself all the time but I make mistakes yeah Oh, totally. We all make mistakes. And I think there's something, I mean, this is a whole other thing on cancel culture. And, you know, some people absolutely do need to get cancelled, like completely. But there's also mm-hmm. things where someone has made a genuine mistake. Yeah. Maybe we just need to, like, have a little bit more empathy at points. Because if yeah. they are then willing to listen, learn, and don't repeat that mistake, that's mm-hmm. when you kind of go, right, okay, cool. If they're continually, repeating that behavior or mistake then you're like Meh, no yeah and if that mistake is causing a lot of harm to other yeah. people then yeah. you sort of go mm. yeah totally oh that's a whole other conversation I'm not even gonna start on that Ooh. one Aline. <laughs> yeah yeah but I do I think it's really important yeah. that we all check our privilege totally. um, even when you think you don't have it you probably do yeah, well, I was even thinking about when I was talking about auditioning for drama school five times, and even that was a hard experience. It was also a privileged experience because when you drama school and training in general is very exclusive, like, you yeah. know, it comes down to money. And that starts even with the audition processes. They're just like, that costs so much money. And it is getting better. There is conversations happening about that and organizations starting to try and tackle that and like support people. But, you know, even that is a privilege that I was able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But so again, though this, and I don't want to keep harping on it, drama schools because it's they're not terrible and they don't do no. well. <clears throat> they're not terrible, but there are things that they really could improve on. And you know, there are certain drama schools who have these foundation courses, um, that they take in twenty people on, uh, who are paying six grand for a nine months of training with no guarantee of them getting on to the BA, um. And they might have four other foundation courses all across the UK and all they've got all that money. And I just, these kids are paying or their parents are paying or their parents are trying to find the money um, to pay for them to go to this foundation school because it's got this amazing name with no guarantee whatsoever that they're then going to get on to the three-year course. Mm. And it's just, I just find it really ugly Mm-hmm. Totally. and actually it's really um what is the word I'm looking for that I can't even remotely think of um it's exploitative there we go it's completely yes. <laughs> it's completely exploitative of people's want and love of this industry it is and that is where it starts isn't it because the industry just kind of continues in that vein as you as you go on doesn't it And I think there's always small improvements being made. And I'm hoping that after the last couple of years, 
or the hope was that we would all reflect and move forward as a country. You know, I think I'd like to see some more of that reflecting and moving forward in the changes, Elaine. I don't know about you. Uh, I think I definitely nice. <laughs> Yeah. And it is, and the financial barriers is the it's just huge. It's just huge in this industry, and it starts so early on. And yeah, continues. Yeah, it's really, it's really hard. And it's, it's like I said last week. It's you don't know what you're going to miss out on by doing this, by keeping this industry in a kind of state of privilege. Mm-hmm. You could be losing out on incredible talent. Yeah, and that just really breaks my heart. Um, Do you know? I think maybe that's another reason why I don't know about you I'm just thinking about this now that I maybe struggle with celebrating my successes because sometimes I feel like oh but you know would ever have had the chance to get that and if I had the privilege to get to this place and like you know do mm. I have to be aware of that and that I think that's definitely something everyone should be aware of and check that but it's also the balance of not letting that like diminish your hard work yeah. as well because you've still done that to get there but I don't know maybe that's part of why I get so like oh like I get hard to talk about it because I'm like oh but it's not fair for everybody yet like I don't know maybe that's part of it maybe I'm just hyper aware of that somewhere in my brain yeah I think that absolutely could be it as well yeah that thing of I had that privilege to do that so I had that privilege to do that so I'm grateful but that's because you are always you're a good person and checking yourself because you're checking your privilege all the time so maybe that is feeding in because I would imagine there'll be other people who don't check their privilege and are like yeah I got this and that's fine yeah yeah that's so true and there are so many people in the industry who are really good at like giving back as well I think that's a really lovely thing so it's like yeah you can celebrate your success but you're also giving back because you're aware of how you've got to where you've got to or I don't know it's just lovely when you see, especially sort of, I guess, more famous actors. And it's mm. nice when you see them being really genuine with what they're trying to do. Like, who is it? Is it Michael Sheen that's really good at, like... Oh, my God, I love Giving him. back to people and just turning up at stuff and being totally, like, humble and grounded and, like... Do you know what I mean? And, like, I think we need more of that. I can't think of any examples of what he's done now, but I feel like I keep reading stories about him and it's really awesome. I so, love him. He is. Yeah. Oh, he's great. I mean, he's just... I love yeah. him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He also hates the Tories, so, you know. Um, yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've kind of, kind of gone away from the appearance thing and, like, how we look, but I wanted to say something when you were talking about mm. our lived experiences and all, all of that and what we kind of look like and you auditioning for police officers and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think what I was thinking, as you were saying, was we really need... And I'm hoping things are changing, but it feels like, especially on film and actually theatre too, the variety of shapes, sizes, um, yeah. how young or how uh, older you look on our screens and our stages to represent what actually our society looks like. Yeah, because it is that weird thing of like... Uh, when like we were talking about turning up for auditions and being told you're too young or whatever or you're too old and sometimes you walk in and you are like but I could legitimately at my age be the thing that you're telling me but you're just saying that I objectively don't look that way to you even though like I, like I could be a police officer for example or I could be a mum with two kids at my age even though maybe I don't look at do you know what I mean like yeah. it's, a, it's a weird way how we perceive other people and what we put on to them yeah yeah, because I've walked in before and they're like, oh, you look too young. And I'm like, but I am that age. I am literally that age. Like, that is how old I am. It's so bizarre, isn't it? And yeah. you're right. I think it is about the diversity of what we're seeing and how it's presented. And yeah, to sort of normalise that more. Yeah. And actually, don't know why I thought of this, but when you were saying about diversity on screens, like I've just finished the latest Derry Girls series. I don't know if anyone watches it, but I just feel it's been like. As I have saved the whole thing. That. And I love it. And I can't wait to watch all of it because, yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I just felt like it was quite a good example of the different, like, ages on screen and how they are represented. And, yeah, I won't give any spoilers, but, yes. I also (laughs) love it because I was a teenager in the late 90s. So it is, like, everything they do, I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that outfit. Yep. Like, just all of it is... um, it's just it's so brilliant it's so brilliant um 
yeah I think it's really important I also think it's really important again on a mental health point that we really need to start embracing um, in particular physicality a little bit more in our industry Um, for males and females uh, because you know you put on weight and all of a sudden like you're ostracized or you're Mm -hmm. quote unquote the comedy fat part because you can't Mm. can't be attractive if you're a female and overweight Mm. or fat or you know and put on a bit of weight Uh, and then I saw something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago there's a production down south with um, a a male actor and one of the reviewers or talk about reviewers as well last week Mm -hmm. basically said called him what was he called him um oh I need to get the quote but it basically called him a fat and why would fat and slow And you're like, why? Why? Didn't that happen to um, talking about Derry Girls? Nicola, I can't say her name, was it Coughlin? Um, When she was in a show in in London, and and a reviewer commented on her appearance and her weight as well, and she was just like, unnecessary. Like, just not, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Also, I remember. (laughs) I said this to Callum, by the way, last time um, when I said about my chat about reviewers, I was like, and that's Sarah Mealy getting bad reviews for the next 10 years. But isn't it funny though, because you've said that there and then I've said this numerous times on this podcast about the fact that, you know, persistent and nasty does, we create a bit of a a wave and we're, you know, shouting and all of that. And I constantly make the joke that, oh, we're never getting employed again, not being employed. (laughs) Um, And Louise is like, stop doing it, stop. And now I'm doing it in a kind of really flippant way. But then... (laughs) (laughs) But I think that says something more about the fact that, you know, both of both you and I have thought that even whether it be a joke or not about our industry and the fact that if you do call something out, the worry of then just being shunned is there rather than the fact that it shouldn't really matter because you're a good person who's brilliant performer and we'll be right for the role. It shouldn't matter if we've called out our theatre for not paying someone properly or for behaviour that isn't appropriate or saying that reviewers really like, do you think about what you're saying sometimes and remember that the people that are on stage are actual human beings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I, in my head, I'm like, there's so many examples of when I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't say this or I shouldn't call this out or do I make a fuss about this because exactly do you get blacklisted do you never work again and it's really silly when you've not done anything wrong you're just going hey this isn't right or whatever it's it's it is a bizarre power play in our industry isn't it a little bit um yeah definitely yeah the power play definitely Mm -hmm. um I mean again I could continue to talk to you for hours as we said before I don't even know if we were recording when we both said it we were like "Mm, procrastination today yes (laughs) We could keep it going. I did say I was going to ask you a different question. I know, and I'm really excited because I was like, what could it be? Okay, so. Oh, no, I'm nervous. Okay. No, don't be nervous. Sarah Mieli. Um, I like giving you your full name. I love it. Everyone always does that. I don't know. Everyone full names me, and I love it. I love it so much. Um, Is, what is your hope for our industry moving forward? Oh my goodness. Okay. That's the first part. I will That's answer. The first part. Okay. <laughs> and the second part is well, it's similar. Um, is there someone in this industry who you would like to celebrate oh. and thank? Oh my goodness. Too many people. Everybody, Elaine, everyone. <laughs> I know that's quite oh it's goodness. quite a it's quite a tricky one, but you know, someone it does if there isn't anyone, but yeah. because there are so many. Oh my god, there yeah. Or even even it could even be somebody's work who you've who you might not even know this person, but their work you just think is great. You can do them in any order you wish, doesn't matter. 
I'm like, are you sure you want to end it now? Because I feel like this answer is going to be, <laughs> um, how long have you got? My hopes for the industry are, I guess, I, I want to see more transparency. And I want to see transparency from the people that hold the power currently. I want to see more transparency from us to each other when we're struggling to, to, to face the honesties of our industry, to support each other through them. I want there to be more transparency about people, how people get where they get because it can be such a closed book for so many people like what we were talking about privilege like I just want that openness and honesty and transparency because I think the more closed doors you have the more opportunity there is for inequality isn't there so open those doors open them up in all the ways also universal basic income for everybody Yay! yes 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 <laughs> um I mean, so many other things, but let's that that's a nice summary. And who would I like to celebrate? Who do I love in the industry and want to and want to thank and celebrate? Um, literally everybody who I've ever I encountered who has done anything lovely for me because there's been so many people who have helped me along the way. Um, but who who am I going to mention right now? Do you know I did it? And only you know this person, which is why I'm going to say this name. And I did a, a Zoom workshop with them and I was like they're just a really cool person I think I want to be them when I grow up would be Sandy Thompson she just like doesn't I can swear right she doesn't give a oh, fuck God, in like the best way she doesn't Sandy give a does fuck. not give a fuck and she definitely is totally fine you can totally swear yes <laughs> and she just like oh she just had this energy that I was like I want to walk into every room with that energy I want to like use that energy to lift other people up like she does and to like push other people down who need a bit of a, a push down <laughs> who need to be knocked <laughs> back into their place like I just I, I just I loved her so much and I think she's really cool and Sandy if you listen to this I'd like to be your friend slash work with you one day <laughs> I think that Sandy would probably love that um, <laughs> Sandy I'm speaking for you um but yeah Sandy energy as you walk in a room absolutely Yes. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know Sandy Thompson, she runs uh, Poor Boy, but also does loads of awesome, amazing stuff within the industry. Amazing performer, director, writer, everything, just like an all-around great artsy human. Filmmaker as well now. Filmmaker as well, and she's just really cool, and I just want to be her when I grow up. Amazing. I love it. Thank you. Sarah yeah. Miele, you're like the best. I want to celebrate you. <laughs> Yay! I want to celebrate you. Like, oh, also... I have a little gift for you and Louise next time I see you. You're going to get your own happiness collector badges because I feel like you both earned it and you both bring so much joy to everyone. So thank you. Oh, thank you. thank you. I love it. Um, I'm yeah. gonna, I love it. I mean, the whole thing, just the happiness collector and the, the spreading of the festive uh, joy just warms my heart. Um, Sarah Miele, thank you for a another brilliant episode and you are just a joy and I actually realized I don't think we've met in life I don't think we have Elaine so we'll have to change that we're gonna have to rectify that really really damn quickly um but thank you all thank you lovely listeners you ready Mm -hmm. and until next time stay Stay nasty Was that better that time? I don't know. I think it was. If you enjoy the Persistent and Nasty podcast and support the work that we do, please like, download, subscribe and review each episode. It really does help us get our message out and our incredible guests heard to as many people as possible.